Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is the artist and designer Jeff McFetridge. Jeff and I discuss his artistic process, dad's style, and how his collaboration with Spike Jones on her influenced human interface design. Let's do it. The one thing I will not ask you about is who your influences are. Because that's, <laughs> that's just kind of tacky. Like, yeah. also, I've, I'll be honest, and I'll, I'll leave this on the tape. When I was doing more research on you, I think I read, I've got to have read maybe almost 20 different interviews of you over the years. Oh, wow. Good for you. And, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not that big of an idiot, but like the... Oh, but- the uh the a lot of the stuff that you these people are asking you are like great <laughs> fantastic questions but they're questions that i feel like oh like everyone knows and i'll say it for the record too that like you worked at grand royal and <laughs> like that's amazing that's so freaking cool but yeah because our time is limited and i want to be respectful of yours too and hear more about other things like everyone knows you worked at grand royal you're this unbelievable, phenomenal, fantastic artist. And, you know, you, you have the skate culture background, you have all these things. So I'm going to assume, and I'm even going to put in the liner notes on this. Uh, here's some other interviews if you want more background yeah. about them. Um, cause this is going to be my dark side. The dark side. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, that is, I, I appreciate that. And, um, and you know I'm at fault too because people ask you your history and you're sort of like, well, how do I talk about this in a new way? And how do you not mention Grand Royal or something? And it's tough well, from my perspective too. So yeah, I mean I think that that's that's fine. That makes sense because it is your history. I think it's just maybe when when people talk to you or whomever, like they they have an understanding and respect of your history already. I don't know, but I yeah. digress. But um. There's basically the the goal of of this and what I want to is basically how did you go from making, you know, drawings for band tees and drawing, you know, on the floor of your room to hanging out with Spike Jones and collaborating and basically becoming the every person in fashion that I know's favorite artist. And oh. this like, you know, you have a really interesting and this is going to be great right now, right? Because you're going to have some guy who doesn't really know about art tell you what I think of your art, right? I'm sure this has never happened no, to you. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like this flat design that's super easy to interpret. And that for me, as someone who's, you know, I've tried to study all these different eras of art. I most of it, I will be completely honest and that I'm faking it when I try to understand like real, you know, like deep art. art. Yeah. But yeah. your but your art art and when I you know like when I see your stuff, it moves me, it challenges me, and makes me look at things differently. And also in the best possible way, I can look at it sometimes, and I'm like, you know, maybe I could learn how to do something like that. And when I've tried to uh, do it, yes, when I've tried to do it, heavens, man, I suck. I'm really good yeah, at drawing I mean, Goku. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and which is yeah, exactly like all those things like um. Like Snoopy, or I mean, Snoopy less so, but like, try jar- drawing Charlie Brown. Try drawing, um, you know, uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Calvin, or you know, from oh, Calvin yeah. and Hobbes. You know, I think those are all things that are 
definitely my work it you know you in your little introduction there that sort of it touches upon like sort of the essence of what i do that it's like meant to look simple and to be simple and um you know there's a tradition i've heard that i've said this before in interviews but like that there's a tradition in japan of making work uh, making artwork that is it's sort of like it, it sort of announces like oh you could do this too mm-hmm. and that really appealed to me because i realized that's very much like what i do like it's meant to it's sort of like work that it's it sort of plays on universal like um sort of it's like tactile to the to the creative person right you know like a creative person says like oh i want to put these two things next to each other what if those things overlapped what if i got a sense of depth by changing the tone of this to be slightly darker like what is a shadow i like shadows i like you know it plays on all these sort of um it's like a they're 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 not tropes but they're everything is sort of familiar and um but that ideally in the work it feels like you've never really seen it before but it that it's it's all like you feel like it's like i mean i'm trying to create work that's almost like oh i already thought of that or i would have thought of that like i'm about to think of that sort of so yeah and, and, um, it's it's interesting i like to hear when like your sort of response to the work or something <laughs> yeah because i'm like sort of playing with that you know for sure like and, and you've said before that you would look at stuff that you've done like you know because like over 20 years and you're like yeah i've drawn that before but what what does it mean yeah. to continue drawing that like like i, I notice you have such a fascination with with appendages with like hands and feet and but you know like i'll see a lot of that stuff and like you know, hands drawing hands and hands holding hands. Um, Cause I think when I first saw your art for the first time, I you know, thought it was Heinz Edelman. Like I thought it was like similar to kind of like the yellow submarine stuff. Cause it had this like fun, like cartoony feel to me, yeah. like really, really mm-hmm. exciting. And I hope you take that as a compliment. Cause I think Heinz yeah, Edelman's totally. kind of dope. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was trying to find this way to, to, to understand it and make it work uh, in my world. And and also, like I was saying earlier, I know a lot of the people in the fashion industry and every single person, when they like talk about artists that they like, it's always like Jeff McFetridge. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I think that those were my, like that sort of like all that stuff. Those were, those were my influences. That's what I saw when I was young. And I was just like, how do you ever get to the point you can make something like that? But I had this sort of sense memory. Like I knew what that tasted like, you know, like what Yellow Submarine felt like. And it felt like, you know, those were his personal sort of, you know, all that sort of work. I think the work of like psychedelia, you know, it came out of this other experience. And I don't even think it came from drug use. I think it came from like drug use as an excuse to just be sort of wildly creative using these this sort of vernacular of american pop culture and packaging and all this sort of great stuff that like everybody likes mm-hmm. so i'm sort of like like again it sort of plays like everyone's sort of playing with the same sort of um clay and making new things and as you know generations need more stuff that are like well i'm gonna make my stuff out of that same material right but i'm gonna make it new but so much like the reality of like my work, like when you say like I use hands and arms and I'm actually trying to sort of come out the other side of that energy because I, you know, I've been sort of doing this since I was like a t- 
teenager or a preteen. So there's a point where I kind of like very sort of like deliberately I'm trying to like move beyond like the idea, like the image, the coming up with the thing that no one came up with, the sort of, you know, that was sort of like the stock and trade of like sort of being a graphic designer and like coming up with ideas. And so yeah, my, you know, I, I draw really a lot and I sort of am inventive, but what I'm trying to do is like, you know, the stuff with the hands and the arms, it's not, it's, it's saying like, oh, this is the stuff in front of our face. This isn't some um, obscure reference to like a, like a prog rock album cover that I dug out of a, that I know nobody has or any sort of like deep influence that only I had. It's sort of like, no, I'm going to take this basic material, like the most basic play, you know, that um, like we all sort of have access to. And like, what can I make that's unique or sort of my own that like resonates without sort of going into the realm of like, reference or like i want it to sort of exist like in like like a like in a black monolith way like it's like it could just be you know it can be like in zero gravity and it still can sort of resonate and so yeah you know and and you know i think that that the work exists on a sort of a sliding scale like i sort of do work that's in on either side of that sort of thought which is this this thing that i say that's the work that's the opposite of an idea like what's the opposite of an idea Right. And so the opposite of an idea is like experience or an emotion or a feeling and these other things. And that's what I try to make. And very much the painting work, the, the work that I'm, that is in my show that's up now is sort of like, it's about that. The Burinians? All those, all those. Yeah, the Burinians. Yeah. So it's like all those paintings are sort of like, that's how they become paintings. It's like drawings that I do or work that I do in other parts of my practice. And I go like, oh, this has that potential. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? No, it does. I mean, I think it's funny because you were, you know, when you were talking about your art, like you were speaking that it's, it's simple and that it's, you know, it's in front of you. But I mean, from what another stuff I've read about you, is it true that you invented your own language and also hallucinated as a child? I didn't, I didn't invent my own language, but I did hallucinate. I'm a habitual hallucinator. Yeah. So like my own language. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> it's, it, I, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of sort of inventing of um, like inventing like sort of typography, uh-huh. but yeah, but the hallucinations were, um, were sort of an ongoing um, thing that I kind of had up until I was a teen. Um, and one of them was um, like, sort of like I made a, an image of it because it's sort of like, like a sort of like a, a quintessential, like, design experience in that one of my hallucinations was um that i had become a a letter in the alphabet and i was the letter t so i was stuck with my arms out and i was standing in the middle of my room and i remember it because you know they're like you're like lucid and right but i truly was a t so like as like someone who like I sort of play with this idea of like image as typography and image as um language. And then I was like a piece of language. Like I've had that experience, you know, as that's heavy, man. Like a kid. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. really heavy. <laughs> like I've never I've never done a loose name. 
hallucinogenic drugs. And um, the reason is because of hallucinating when I was a kid. You're like, I've been there, done yeah. that. <laughs> just don't like, it's, I was, I'm scared, you know, like, I'm like, what if it just flips that switch and it's like, that's it forever, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, but that's why I bring up the tea thing. Cause that's maybe the language thing. Maybe read somewhere yeah yeah i uh because i was like i was reading some of this stuff i was like no way i was like well i'll freaking ask him i was like this is crazy that's some deep yeah i don't remember ever talking about that but yeah yeah so i would you know it it would like i would my mom took me to the doctor and they would never diagnose it Um, yeah i mean what is there to diagnose i mean is it well yeah well because they would say like oh he's having night terrors um it's you know because it would happen when i would have a fever um but then it would also happen when i sort of didn't have a fever but it would i would know and i would get this taste in my mouth and it would be prick my tongue would turn to like prickles like a horny toad and i'd tell my mom i'd say like look this is gonna happen and um i would have some warning and then i would go into this thing and i would you know jump down a flight of stairs and and i would and the hallucinations are stuff like the world is upside down um i'm a t i you know one time i when i was by myself at home i knew i was having it i was quite old i was like maybe 14 13 14 and i knew one was starting so i went into the bathroom i'm like i'm gonna go in the bathroom and just like stare in the mirror so i can sort of calm myself down to make it go away (laughs) and i go in the bathroom and i turn on the lights and i'm there in the mirror but i have no skin what no skin so just me and i'm like no way and even in the hallucination i was like this is unbelievable so i'm just looking at myself with no skin like i'm just like muscle and eyeballs and you know all that stuff like the you know because it's like the the visible man doll that you know and yeah i was and i and i'm just trying to remain calm because i you know it's very it's very scary um yeah, that was that was one of the that was the latest strongest hallucination I had, and then they sort of got mellower, and they were sort of more just like I'd be walking down the street. This is a good one, and I was with a bunch, a, a group of friends, three friends, and it started to happen. And but my legs were getting shorter, so I was like cruising along, but I was getting lower and lower to the ground until I was like basically like my torso was on the ground, but I was walking with them, and we're in a mall. Oh my god! Yeah, isn't that crazy? And then it sort of like went away and I, I didn't say anything to them. And then it sort of like eased up and I sort of went, came back to like normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those are like real experiences that I had. Like those are. Well, I mean, evidently. You know, they, they, they go, yeah. They become real memories. Yeah. You know, and now I have, I have two daughters and both of them have had the same thing. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Less so than my, way less, like 15%. Okay. Less. Like like uh, like seventy five percent less than mine. Mine were really strong. Okay, and my dad had them as well. Wow! Um, wow! So it, it's yeah, like some it's sort stuff. of genetic vibe of. Yeah, you, I read that Oliver Sacks book like a couple of years ago, and he wrote a book called Hallucinations. And uh, it's, I mean, the whole you know when you read a book like and you like flag stuff. Yeah. And I started like folding pages over, and then like the whole book is like every page is folded over. Like oh this. Um, and it, it, it was sort of interesting. It's, it's like his book makes you realize like, oh, it's very common. Yeah. It's like a, it's a thing that happens. And none of mine were remotely like the stuff people had in his book is just debilitating, terrifying. Oh my God. Like loss of cognitive ability. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I watched a documentary once that was about, I don't even know if it was like a hundred percent real, but it was about people who had like sleep paralysis. 
And, you know, like they would have some sort of nightmare and they would wake up, but they're still in their nightmare. And like, that's, that's crazy. Anyway, um, I want to totally jump to uh, a lot of the collaborations (laughs) that you've done. So, I mean, you've collaborated with Nike, Patagonia, Apple, all these brands, but one of the things that you have done is you've made a lot of like physical consumer, like clothing products i mean there's sunglasses you did that blazer shoe with nike yeah um how like how did that start and like did you always have a a, any you know like a desire to make like physical like clothing yeah i mean i've always sort of loved clothes and loved making stuff and like i i you know sewed as a kid and um i think i had i did you know i think you sort of like i draw and that's sort of like the main way I express myself, but I'm always sort of also sort of making things. Mm-hmm. And so like when it comes to product, it's sort of like it activates, you know, like for me, like creativity is you want to like, if you're your brain, like you want to fire all the different sections of it. And then part of that, part of the creative part of your brain is like, is like that sort of dimensional, the sort of the problems of the thing as it exists in space and that is to me clothes, you know, to me clothes, so much of them is about like, yes, it's, it's not necessarily like covering them with a surface, like what drawing does, which is the same as sculpture. It's like a great piece of clothing. Isn't like surface. Mm-hmm. It like sort of is, you know, it is more in a way like a shoe is. And so, and that's really challenging for me. You know, when I did my first shoe, I realized like, Oh, I can't just draw this. Like I have to like, what am I, you know, I, I like make like a model or something like I'll like when I do projects like that, I'll try to, even if it's like a simple, like simple shape, I'll like take, make a shape and I'll draw on the shape or sort of think in that sort of way. Um, so yeah, but shoes and, and it's also sort of like doing like loving to make stuff. Like if someone comes and says like, do you want to make glasses? I say, yes. Like I'll do make glasses. I've never made glasses. Do you want to make a bandana? Yes. Do you want to make shoes? Yes. Do you want to, you know, like if it's different things like a rug, sure. And like, I, so now I've made so much stuff. Cause I sort of say like my ears perk up if someone wants to make, you know, a ski or a, um, I don't know. I've made so many different things, but, but yeah, I think that the, the stuff that's closed is, yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of sculpture. It's sort of a sculptural thinking as someone who lives in a very flat world of creativity. Right. Yeah. I mean, like for me, it's funny that you think of it like that because for me, like clothes, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, so much of it to me is an identity. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out like who I am by some of the clothes that I have. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like I did a shoot today for high, uh, high snob about dad's style. And yeah, it was, it was funny. Cause like, you know, I'm a dad, I have a, a, I guess she's almost four months old now, but, um, you know, I only have one daughter and so I'm kind of like slowly understanding, you know, being a dad and what that is. And, and it's funny, I showed up and the photographer looked at me and he was like, Oh, is, is like, did you bring clothes to change into, or is that what you're wearing? <laughs> I was like, no, man, this is like, this is me, man. This is, this is my dad's style. It's a, it's a rugby shirt. But wait, the photographer was saying like, it wasn't dad enough? Or no, it was I think, dad. well, I mean, he was a young guy and I'm not, you know, ripping on him at all, but he was like, I think he thought I was going to show up like, 
wearing some fancy, you know, like oh, like dad's. Oh, he doesn't read Japanese magazines. Like dad's <laughs> yeah, style. I guess so. He's thinking like dad's style, like dad's style. Yeah. This the accent on style, like the yeah, strike. like I think he thought no. I was going to come like decked out wearing like head to toe Gucci and stuff. Um, and I felt really <laughs> stupid because I was like, no, man. I was like, this is like washable. This is sick. I was like, this was eight, eight bucks. I got it, you know, on eBay. It's an old rugby. I was like, I got these Reeboks on sale for 20. I was like, this is my thing. That's really cool. Yeah. But you, I mean, you are a, more of a designer. I mean, I, my, you know, I, I am definitely... I mean, I agree with you that clothes, like for me, are about an identity, and I'm very sensitive to clothes, and I really sort of love clothes, and um, and clothes are, I'm very like I can't leave the house in something that is remotely uncomfortable, you mm-hmm. know, like if I'm wearing black shoes and my shirt is black, like that's like my whole day. I'm gonna, it's basically like I might as well have like, you know, um, my something terrible happening to me you know like i'm like my comfort level and sort of like i'm very connected to my clothes i guess like it's not something that i can like pass off but the things that i've made like any shoe i've made any t-shirt any i've never had success in making things for myself like i've never made a piece of clothing that i'm like oh yeah that's what i want to wear that today because like if you know it's like if i designed a t-shirt it wouldn't have anything on it Right. You know, because I don't wear t-shirts with stuff on them. I don't wear sneakers that like are doing things, you know, <laughs> doing um, things. And that's always been the case, you know, like, um, like I don't want socks with stuff on them, you know, like, like gray socks, black socks, white socks. Um, and uh, so I'm in a bit of a different situation. Like, I guess, I mean, do you like you've designed clothes that you would like? where you would um i mean so i had at a time me and a couple other friends we had a clothing company for a bit but i mean other friends of mine who work in design will will hate me for saying this but i i don't think there's a lot of design you know in clothes compared to say women's i mean you have amazing designers like raf simmons and all these wonderful like creative directors who really know what they're doing and and like make you know capital d designer clothes but for me i think in terms of the the silhouette um and what people want to look like like for me like like clothes and design you know other than identity a lot of it is just like the geometry of like seeing how it's going to fit on different bodies you know like i've tried to to wear some of the super cool la oversized shirt stuff but like i also have to be in like super cool la perfect shape stuff so when i wear it it just looks like i'm a guy who's like hiding a bit of his you know his his stomach but you mean like a tall is that like a tall yeah. tee you mean like those yeah, like long cool guy tees uh, uh secretly all like secretly ripped guy yeah. tee like i'm wearing like this tea, yeah. but underneath but i mean i think in terms of clothes like you know you have people are still wearing like button down oxfords and that's like you know from the 1900s early 1900s with like the you know the polo button down collar yeah. and t-shirts and jeans i mean nothing has really changed that much yeah. it's really just the proportions of how people are wearing no, it that's true um but it's interesting yeah, you yeah. said no logos and no clothes because you know i i mean you definitely don't strike me as some type of a sneaker hoarder or anything like that like buying air maxes on on grailed and stuff no no that's not <laughs> what i would buy but like um <laughs> 
um, which is, it's good. Like I buy stuff, but that's not, yeah. Yeah. I listen to your, a lot of your podcasts, like people who like love. I mean, I liked, I like, I'm very particular, but it's more like I will like tailor my clothes. Like I'll get, you know, Ralph Lauren chinos and because I like the fabric and then tailor them and I'll tailor them myself. Like I do all my, like ever since basically like, and I have a few friends like this, like, because when I was a kid, it was in the, you know, when I was like skateboarder kid in the eighties, like your pet, your pants were pegged. Yeah. So I started by pegging my pants and then it was like hemming, like I wanted my pants short and pegged. So that's sort of like advanced. Like it started, you started getting to be like, oh, well, I'm going to be good at this. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to hem my jeans. I'm going to, well, if I can do that, like I'm going to, you know, make a hat or, you know, you start to get sort of weird. And, but you sort of like, I learned those sort of skills and I sort of still sort of, to me, that's the most like, I think if you were a kid and how someone the fit of their pants, if it means something identity wise, like that sort of sticks with you maybe. Um, and it becomes more interesting than like, I don't take my pants obviously, but, um, but I mean, when I, well, when I saw you too, like, I think you had this Patagonia coat on with a piece of tape on it. Um, and like, I guess like to hide a a hole or something to a repair tape or something like that, that you had, you had on. (laughs) Wow. You have detail. No, I mean, but it was it was good because I was like, this yeah. guy lives and wears his clothes. Like I I have a few friends yeah, and like yeah. myself included sometimes when they'll buy something. Like I have clothes that I bought and I get it and I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. I got it. And then I put it away and I never wear it and I don't enjoy it. I, I don't, oh, yeah. you know, because for some reason my relationship with it is more my identity and finding, and this is messed up, but my identity and like the fact that I can own it you know, like I got this shoe, but it's like, are you really going to wear that shoe? And it's like, no, you know? And like you, I mean, I like you, you're, you wearing your stuff, you're living in your stuff. It's like, you know, I mean, yeah. Because I know now what I like to wear. Like, I feel so lucky that I sort of like, cause I, I relate to you. And I think every guy that cares about clothes or style and more, more clothes, you know, like guys who like clothes, like that. And I think that's very common. And I think that what you're explaining is like something that's like, oh, that's a bummer. And when I, you know, and I think as you grow to find the things, you know yourself better and find things you like. And like now I get to the point where like, I definitely know like I can buy something and I have to buy clothes that are super durable. Cause I know, like I look at photo shoots of like 10 years ago and I am like, I still have that sweatshirt. You know, like I still, like I buy stuff vintage because stuff was made such quality with made such high quality that you can wear it for a decade and it's still there, right. you know? Um, and I'm also hard on my clothes. Like I do a lot of stuff in my clothes and I get paint on my clothes and I spill, you know, like I do a lot of stuff that's like, like I have a pair of pants right now that I'm like, ah, oh, they were just right. Like these, they're just like Levi's 501s and they were, but then I got like paint on the back of them. And I'm like, well, I guess that's like, I don't want paint on my pants, you know? Um, but then sort of like, okay, now I'm going to place that in history. Like, cause I'm going to have those jeans, you know, 501s last right, decade, right. you know, like if you don't, you know, take care of them. And, um, but yeah, that's definitely, yeah. I like, yeah. That patching tape, it's like special tape for patching, um, like down yeah. jackets. So it's like, no, nice I mean, tape. it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it looked cause Tom Sachs, I mean, I met him a bunch of times and he will just put tape all on his clothes. Uh, 
Oh. And I was like, I think this is more of a repair thing for for Jeff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, and I, you know, and I patch stuff and uh I want want to jump to some of the the little bit more about your work. Um so one of the things that you did which I didn't even put together until after I saw it is I mean, I know that you work with Spike Jones a lot. Um you know, the where the wild things are are I remember seeing it and I was like, okay, this is this is definitely McFetridge. But I had no idea and this is, you know, punch me in the face here that you had done the interface design and all the the like the type and the logo stuff for her. Yeah. 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 I mean, how yeah, I would how, how did you uh you know come to meet spike jones like how did that that collaboration start well that was i mean i i strangely met like he was married or dating sofia coppola and i was doing i was doing work for girl and chocolate which he's a co-owner of still and um but it was sofia like i started doing some work for her clothing line called milk fed Mm-hmm. And uh, then I did the titles to Virgin Suicides. You're right. And then I, and I already hadn't really met Spike. Like I'd been around him, and I was working with all his sort of closest collaborators, mm-hmm. were Andy Jenkins and Mark Lumen. And um, but then probably around like right around that time, he was doing commercials, and I started doing like graphics for commercials for him. And right away, like working with him it was like the greatest. And he was super helpful and like was sort of like he was his you know even then like it was like he was sort of like the iconically like moving very fast guy like people were like wait why does somebody we know like sort of like why are they having this sort of success like this sort of <laughs> large-scale success like it was a mystery um but yeah so it sort of escalated from there and her was definitely the the first movie where i had like like a really, like I would always be one of the first people to see screenings and I would do the logos and I would do like marketing work and, um, for his films. Um, but her was the first time where that my work was suddenly like in the picture and sort of like part of the narrative. And yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, so it was like, yeah, it was very, you know, a total challenge, but that's like part of, I mean, it's like, I definitely know that like part of creativity, you know, you can sort of apply it to anything. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of like leaned on like that part of my creativity. Like, oh, I don't know anything about interface design and I'm not going to do any research. I'm not going to like get a book on like the future of of AI and interface design. I'm just going to be confident and sort of inventive and then really think about the film and think of like what's going to work on screen. Like these things are going to be there for a few seconds. They sort of have a role. They should feel like futuristic, but very positive and light. You know, like sort of aiming for these like very like broad um ideals and right you know. no that that's fascinating because i I ended up rewatching the movie again when I had read this because I was like, no way, I was like, of course, I was like, I'm a huge you know Jeff fan, there's no way I missed out this and I, and yeah, it's fascinating too, especially with what you were just saying about like you know interface design because it you know i mean he uh Twombly, you know, like he holds the the piece in his hand, yeah, right? Device. Yeah. And but like the interface. Is, like yeah. Yeah. Samantha has handwriting and she has she looks like something. And you there's just enough there that you go, like, yeah, she does have like she looks like something. She is this sort of interface that's like unusual, but you know, you're listening to Scarlett Johansson, you know. Yeah. 
you don't ideally you don't think you're not like picturing her you're not picturing scarlett johansson you know you're picturing these other things you're picturing this device that's sort of like a uh a foreign sort of graphic interface and i would say that's it for me the 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 influence of that too is i mean it's kind of happening i mean because I, I remember when i first saw the movie I mean, Alexa and a lot of that stuff wasn't really out. And, you know, yeah. I mean, everyone has pretty much an Amazon Echo or, a, I mean, we have a, a Google Home in our house, you mm-hmm. know, which we use all the time to turn the lights on and off. And, and dude, AirPods, I just realized that, like, that there's another big connection. I mean, just, you know, like, like in her. Oh, like, yeah. Everyone's got AirPods now. They have these tiny little Q-tips in their ears. It's Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that is totally... And sometimes I'll do the thing where like he carries his phone in his pocket. Like, so if you have um, like uh, in a pocket to you or like in a, in a shirt with, with a pocket, you can have the thing where you're, the camera's poking out of the pocket. Yeah. Sometimes I'll do that. Like, Oh, I, you know, I want to show something to somebody. Oh, dude, and I think that's, that's a her moment I have definitely often, you know? Oh, um, that's so wild. Yeah. But yeah, the AirPod is exactly, I mean, how did like, I mean, somebody in the room saw her, I mean, it's sort of like a logical, you know, like the thing with her is it was like the the very near future. Yeah. So there are people who are near futurists. There's people who that's their whole thing. And so I just skipped it all. Like everybody, I don't know if anybody did, you know, um, a lot of research, but you sort of like, you know, there is this thing of like this sort of like parallel evolution where everything's getting invented sort of on two sides of the world all at once. And, um, and that sort of ter- her was in that territory. So it's sort of like, we're going to make a movie because no, it's sort of, I mean, it's the type of thing I love. Like, well, nobody's making a movie about this. And so you sort of can, it gives you that sort of freedom, you know? And, um, and it, it so, you know, it gave me freedom. It gave, you know, um, Spike a lot of freedom. And uh, yeah, so. There's a couple other things I want to talk to you about um, before we, we wrap. This has been, this has been better than I could have imagined, by the way. This is really, really good. Oh, okay. Um, so I have been so desperate to buy your pieces that I have bought on more than one occasion. I bought two copies of the Ben the Void mini book. No, literally one, I disassembled it and then I framed pages (laughs) so I could, (laughs) so I could do it. Um, but it's so, and and the other thing is like, I think a long time ago, like right when you launched Podic, the, the wallpaper stuff, yeah, I think I bought like a couple of the samples and then framed the samples because oh, nice. I was like just trying to find a way to like have your work in my home. Um, yeah. That's nice. Is there any, like, do you know if you're going to do like direct prints to sale or any of that stuff? Because I know there is a poster that you can get of yours uh, that you had made. I've, I mean, I used to do prints and I, I might do prints. Like, it's funny. I'm sure it's a lot of work for you. No, it's not a lot of work. It's really easy. It's like, oh. <laughs> but it's like my sort of my relationship with all this stuff. Like, I haven't done prints sort of based on my own. Like, I sort of started focusing on the paintings and just sort of doing, right. doing tons of drawings and these paintings. And the paintings were about there being just one. But it's like, they look like a print. They're this super meticulous process that's sort of involved. And then they look like prints. And so I sort of stopped doing prints because I didn't, that sort of engaging in like making a lot of things felt like, well, 
I feel very distant from it. And I love prints and I love ephemera and I love, I sort of consume that stuff. But for me making things, I was sort of, I encourage people to buy a drawing. And yes, a drawing is like a thousand dollars. Drawing is like between a thousand and eighteen hundred dollars right now. And that's really a lot of money. But um, it's sort of like, I sort of love things that there's just one of, you know? And I think that, I don't know. I think it's, I, I love the idea of like, people who like my work and like people like you, like you're, you would like to own things. And I appreciate that. And I'd love sort of like to get things out there, but at the same time, like, does it, I don't know if it matters or like, I feel like that maybe there's something else I could do. Like it would be very lucrative to make prints and you know, it's, sure. um, I get a lot of, I get tons of requests for it. And that's partially because I used to make prints, but um, I don't know. I think it's like, it's very much like a product. It's like not only like, like I'm not trying to manipulate my marketplace or anything. It really is my no, personal no. relationship of the things I make that it's super personal to me. So like to have the studio that, you know, like when you make prints, like you have like 30 of them, I would always do very small runs, like five to 30, but you sort of have them and then you like save one or you save two and then you have the rest to sell and they're sort of around. And at first when I didn't, I'd be super excited to be like, oh, that turned out like I wanted or whatever. I'd have this sort of response and it sort of stopped happening. I stopped sort of responding. And I started to think about like, well, if there was a fire, what would I grab? And I realized mm. I would grab the drawings. I would grab my sketchbooks and I'd grab the drawings. And so that's what I make. I just make the stuff that's like the most vital to me personally. And so, um, yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know. It's like back to like, that's like what you're going to put out in the world, right? Like that is my sort of belief right at this moment. So that's sort of what I'm making. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. No, no, that makes perfect sense. I, I totally understand. Mm -hmm. um, and I respect that. I do. I respect that a lot. Because I think, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to make a ton of cash or something like that, like, yeah, I'm sure there's ways if you want to try to get a second or third or whatever house you know you could do that but i i think it speaks to the integrity of who you are as an artist and who you are as an individual and how you want people to understand and experience your work yeah and i think and i think it's also like i don't want to be like super integrity guy i think like i think that is like it's sort of like when you're trying like as an artist you're sort of also being like choosing paths like being sort of being true to like what will like reveal something you know and so when something like if a print doesn't reveal anything to me by making it, then it's like, it's like, oh no, that dark cloud of I'm only doing this to make money, you know, sort of, sort of comes in, which is like, yeah, it's like, yeah, making art, it's a job and I do it to make money. But if it's not doing something for me, like if I lose that sort of stoke of seeing the prints like being printed or something, that's sort of the change, you know, right. But I mean, it's a type of integrity that it is personal and, um, um, but I am doing like a sort of a print for exhibition a that'll come out um, pretty soon where they're basically like one of the colors is printed and then I embellish each one. So each one will then have like a hand painted embellishment on it um, as a way to sort of like deal, like sort of like speaking to this, you know, like, because mm -hmm. I don't want to be sort of static in this belief, but it's sort of like speaking to that idea of like the value of something. And You've been incredibly gracious with your time and I've been really eager to steal as much of it as I can. I can't thank you enough for, for spending the time and, and uh, chatting with me. This has been really awesome. Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, it was fun. It was super, super good to talk to you. I, I can't thank you enough for, for your time. This was awesome. Oh, thank you. 
Well, I will circle back and chat with you soon. That was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. If you like this episode, there's plenty more to dive into at blamopod.com. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend and leave a review. It helps let others discover the show. You can follow us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Still want to connect? Join our newly launched Slack group and chat with other friends of the pod. Thanks again for listening. See you all next week.